0: This is episode 83 of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast.
1: Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the one and only show that brings you real life advice on how to be a better man. My guest today is the one and only Angelo Cisco. He is the founder of Alpha Hippie, the Alpha Hippie podcast, and he is basically the one and only guide to help men go row. But before we get to Angelo, as a man who desires to live up to his full potential, You need a tribe that will challenge you and help you grow. If you haven't joined the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Facebook group yet, be sure to hop on Facebook and search Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Join the most valuable group online where you can get practical and tactical advice to be the father, husband, and leader you are destined to be. Welcome to the show, Angela.
1: Oh, it's a great pleasure to be here, Scott. I'm super excited, especially after you shared, uh, you know, people were enjoying you on uh, the Alpha Hippie podcast, and it's an honor now to dance with you on yours.
0: Yeah, it's really, it's really fun. I've been looking forward to it. I was kind of sharing uh, with you ahead of time that I've had some guys reach out to me um, from, from the Alpha Hippie. You have quite a following. And uh, my I got to shoot right back and say, guess what? He's coming on mine. So hang on tight. Uh, so we got some people looking forward to it. And I, I love being able to uh, network in a way where we have this abundance mindset. Like we all have something that we can add and add value to people. And, uh, you know, I'm on a mission to help men just be better. Yeah. And when you told me, like, you've said it to me before, but, you know, guide to help men go pro, I'm like, oh man, I wish I would have came up with that. Cause that's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> it's exactly, it's exactly what men need. It's exactly yeah. what men need. So, and I, you're like in the two hundreds on your alpha hippie podcast. Like yeah episode 200 and something you've been doing this for how long
1: couple band I'm about three years now in 2018 I believe I did the first show
0: even at that that's a pretty that's a pretty healthy clip for for podcast episodes. It's a lot of time behind the mic so do you did you know you were gonna fall in love with it when you started like what was that process like I'm curious
1: what a great question at first, I started the podcast uh, as a way for me to continue my self-development or actualization journey and as a form of accountability to myself and and in order to continue to grow in, in, in myself because I found that I would go to these amazing retreats and experiences and then I would come home and oftentimes I would be limited by my geography of who I could continue to have as a support system and or environment to continue to cultivate growth. And for me, the, the beginning episodes were me being around people that I usually met In passing or got connected to that were sort of shifting that way and and, and in this like-minded mindset and I didn't want to lose my connection with them you know the the integration of the experiences is oftentimes where I feel that a lot of people miss it people ask me all the time like when are you going to do a, a retreat or anything like that and I'm all about doing those and what's more important though is who are you after you get back, after it's three months over, you've already put the program away, like the the shiny stuff that everyone gave you. Who are you then? And for me, that's how I really started the podcast out is, is this is going to be what I continue to do so that I keep myself at a high standard or hold myself to a higher standard. And then it evolved into what it, is at this
0: point yeah which is a uh, completely bit uh like bigger beast and i want i want to dig into that but i want to i want to rewind and really understand you know i have my own story and i and i realize there's just such great stories around the men who do more there's, yeah. there's these stories of like like the big aha moment or you know that that the hero's journey if you will but all the things yeah. that happen and lead to this so you know, what I know of you are a gym owner in the Chicago area, I believe, yes, right? And originally, yeah. yeah. So here's this guy, a gym owner, a business owner, and he starts this podcast. Why did you all of a sudden, like, was this a sudden before the podcast, this sudden desire for personal growth? What led you to this, this path of like, I need to be a better man. I need to, I need to grow.
1: Sure. Wow. What a great question. So, I started the gym and you, uh, you and I, you know, we, we, we've done a, a, a run in the CrossFit space. And I started the gym in 2010 when the idea of telling someone, butt back knees out, I was a genius <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then in comes in Reebok with a little bit of exposure. And now all of a sudden I have a real business because I'm going to be real with you Scott when I opened the gym in 2010 I just wanted to get out of the racquetball court space that I was training out of so that they couldn't cancel my or tell me that I was closed for like a voting day right or any of those little kind of government things that hey it really didn't bother me at the time and also too, to see if I could do something that my family didn't think I was a complete loser, right? This was, you know, at the time of opening a CrossFit gym in 2010, no one thought it was a business that you were, or I was going to thrive in. It was just a way for me to make a few bucks, have some fun. And then around 2011 came, right? Rich Rich busts on the scene. We got Reebok. All of a sudden, people are starting to learn about this CrossFit thing. And then fast forward to 2013, you know, there's 250 people coming to my gym. And I'm hiring people full time. And I'm making, you know, above six figures regularly, right? Like this whole new level. I was on, you know, really, from what I originally thought it was, you know. And then around 2014 is where I really felt, and I imagine a lot of gym owners, if they were around before that time, where you had to make a choice. Were you running a hobby or was it a business? And at that point, I was so happy for it to be a business. And then I was like, okay, what's it like to really run a legit business? And who do I need to be to run a legit business where I ran businesses that were more, you know, solo entrepreneur, one guy helping you kind of deal. But now I'm running a business where there's w2s there's this guy wants to is a 1099 i got full time employees and all this stuff and and then there was also a point where the market started getting a little bit more saturated i wasn't the only cross at gym within 10 miles like you, like these things that i thought were just going to last forever because of my, you know, not understanding of, you know, naive naivety, I believe of the, the landscape and this explosion of group based fitness, not just only in CrossFit, but just, you know, you saw the orange series, you're like, what the hell is this? Oh, CrossFit just rebranded, you know, just all these things, you know, all the, the X fits coming out of all the woodworks and, and, you know, I'm sure you saw it and, That was the first year, 2014, that I didn't have crazy growth, okay? Like, one year was 83%. The next year was, like, 275%. So I thought I was just the best thing since sliced white bread. I really did. And I don't imagine, I imagine a lot of naive entrepreneurs could relate to that on some level. And especially if you were in the CrossFit game, like I said, all of a sudden we thought we were the coolest thing ever. Okay. Or at least I did. But then I started to realize through when that pressure came on to be a business and that we weren't growing as much, I was in a victim spell. I was comparing myself to other people, other gyms. I was really not a great leader. I was being really shitty to my team because I blamed them for the growth. I started blaming the community for not referring more people, like just all the bullshit, right? And then, you know, where I came from, Scott, the idea of self-development and therapy was, Rather poo-pooed on. What the hell is wrong with you? You need to go sit on a couch and tell someone all that. That kind. Of, the only thing my family knew about therapy was watching The Sopranos. <laughs> I mean, truth. I mean, that was my idea of it. And uh, I cracked open Emotional Intelligence 2.0, which I really feel like or imagine was for me the only book To help someone like me accept mindfulness without saying mindfulness. To even bring the idea to myself. I took the test. Lo and behold, where I struggled the worst was self-awareness. Which is, you know, you could read Buddhism. Zen. Any of the books behind me. Any of the books behind you. Any books anywhere. Awareness is the most important starting line to any sort of transformation. Are you aware of yourself? Can you be a witness of yourself? And that's when I really dove into my journey of growing more aware of myself. And then I refer that journey as Alpha Hippie. And then the curiosity took me to here.
0: So this is, this is, I love that story because I, I can relate on so many levels and, um, and it's usually some sort of really big smack in the face, like humility thing that comes along. It's like, oh, I am not that great. <laughs> what am I going to do about this? Like, I actually really suck. Um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, it, it's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling, but I don't know about you. The second, like I dove into things, my mind just exploded and that was, it
1: felt great. Yeah. Because I knew that I could work hard. I, I just felt so great knowing what to work on. I wasn't afraid to do the work. I just was more frustrated with myself now that I look back at it and I took it out on other people. Cause I just didn't know where to apply all this goddamn energy.
0: Right. Right. So I'm reading this book. I, I just started it. It's called um, unleash your humble alpha. And it was, it was, I don't know if you read it, but no. I, the whole, the entire thing I'm listening and I'm only like on chapter one and it's a great book, but, I just kept coming back to Alpha Hippie, just kept coming back to it like in my head. And I'm like, just playing with these words because I'm like, you know, I'm just kind of engrossed in what they're talking about and then relating it. And where did you where where's the origin of this of this name, Alpha Hippie? Sure. So I started coming
1: out to Southern California once I was ready to put down the books and really step into learning more about myself going into retreats and and what I mean by being ready is to express myself vulnerably and open and really surrender to a different lifestyle or culture and I came out to Southern California and was hanging around uh, an area in SoCal called encinitas and out are walking people that are barefoot they haven't they smelled like they—they they could use a little extra right guard that day, and uh, you know, they—they they were just different, and they were these flow going, you know, non-constrictive, no care in the world hippies. And at first, I was like, "Get me the hell away from these people! What are these?" cream puffs doing out here who's taking care of business where have all the cowboys gone and then once i was able to let not resist i was like man these hippies aren't too bad sure they don't get stuff done uh sometimes but overall it feels good to be around these people i feel relaxed what i felt like is when i was in chicago i wore a bra and my bra size was triple D, and I was all natural. I had back pain. Like, imagine that kind of woman. And then I would come out here to SoCal, and just like the hippies, I didn't wear a bra. I just let them hang. <laughs> and that's what this, the time out here would feel like to me. Right. But and at the same time, though, you know, I love, I grew up with a deep sense of duty, responsibility, and commitment. And I love it. Give me more of it. I'm a pig in shit with it. I can't wait to take it all. Give me the load. I want to take it because that's what I was taught and modeled that I was on this earth to do. To And and to me, that's the real difference between a man and a boy is a man can't wait for the duties, responsibilities, and commitments because that's our stage, isn't it, King? that's when we show up.
0: Yeah, I mean I see I see so many men they're not men. They they they're stuck as boys. I see that. Yes. Like just it, it's a disorder. It's a I don't I don't know even the best way to say it. It's 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 disgusting. It's sad. It's um you know obviously you feel a calling to to improve the landscape of what men are intended to be and who they're intended to, who they're intended to be. So you, you engage in this, this uh, self, you know, self-discovery, self-improvement type of mentality. And you decided I'm going to do a podcast to hold myself accountable. And, and now here you are, you know, I kind of hate to jump this much, but I want to get there right away. Here you are, you know, 2000, Twenty, I believe, is when you kind of started the new iteration, or you moved to, to California. Yes, and and alpha hippie took a new, a new role, a new step, a new evolution. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about like what was the catalyst of podcasts and cool guy just sharing some great knowledge and having great discussions with people in a pursuit to keep himself in line and, and continually evolving. To now, I'm going to move and I'm going to start a movement. That's kind of how I feel like what you're doing.
1: Sure. So 2019, September of 2019, it's very important. September 1st, I was doing a yoga class every Sunday. My wife and I did yoga, yet she was pregnant at the time, so she couldn't go do hot yoga. Yet I had this realization that no longer was the CrossFit identity the identity I wished to wear. And it was all about Alpha Hippie now. This is what was taking my heart, encapsulating my heart, and CrossFit was once my heart, but now it's only my pocket. And I really believe that the ultimate dream of a man is when his heart and his pocket are aligned to you do what you love to create value or currency enough that you could support yourself and your family. That is, that is the ultimate, that is when purpose is at its most potent because now your passion, you're getting paid for your passion. And for years I spent time getting paid for CrossFit while still having my passion. And I really believe that's how it starts for everyone is the pocket colliding with that is not usually how it starts. You have to work into that. And so I worked into it. And so 2019, I realized that two days later, my son was born and as a father, I have never felt more connected to my father now. And I really sat back and I thought about, you know, the methods. If I'd let go of the methods and looked at my dad as a school teacher, what class was he teaching and what lesson would he, was he trying to bestow on me? The fact that, you know, he showed up in a certain way and maybe the methods of him teaching the lesson are not the way I would do it. What was his class called? What was he the professor of? And I realized that men really teach us, or my father, what he wanted to do was teach me how to trust myself and live in an inspired life. That's, to me, the role of a man is to trust themselves and by trusting themselves they could live their most inspired life because they know that they could show up for themselves and face the world and face themselves even if that's necessary to continue that advancement or pursuit and I said interesting I have a son now and I am called I am feeling called to do this and although I could sit here at O'Hare Crossit the rest of my life and tell my son about everything I did in the past. The more you learn about learning, especially for boys, we learn by model modeling and not what we're told. So I could have painted the great fable of O'Hare it, and Santi, my son, would have no understanding of it. Or... I could pursue something in real time in front of this man, this boy who will eventually be man, king. And he could see what it's like to do it by a father that's inspired and trusts himself to lay it on the line. And so I knew I was going to pursue Alpha Hippie in 2019 in September when that boy was born. A month later, my wife and I decided that it wasn't going to be in Illinois because we didn't want to have a family there and raise our son there. We wanted to give him a chance to, to a different environment for us. And uh, we we agreed that we were going to move to Southern California to San Clemente in 2020, yet we didn't have a plan, Scott. We just knew that we were pursuing Alibi and where we were going to do it told our families on christmas day dinner that we were leaving in the summer and lo and behold the plan how it came it came and here we are and so we we left the day after memorial day drove out west and uh, we've been here uh, we're celebrating a year uh, in our new in our home we got here June 7th. We, we we were looking for a place for a while. We got into our home there. And this Sunday is, uh, you know, the time we're recording, this is the 4th of July. And we hosted a beautiful 4th of July celebration at our house. And that has been the, the anchor of moving into this movement or more priority is living an inspired life. That was Really, the teachings of my father. And now, as a father, I am pursuing that actively with more understanding and more intention and education than my father knew. And this is the way that not only is it going to help me live a more fulfilled life, it's also the way that I've chosen to, to teach my son the lesson that my father taught me.
0: Hey, guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, but I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I've found and been using for the last month or so. And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me in two cold sweats. But we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy, ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it b- can be to wrangle ideas, action words, and details, not to mention time constraints. Fear not. I have found a solution that will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes. It's Jarvis, guys. It's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true, but it is not. Jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy. It gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from. It's totally up to you. It's two steps and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me, the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me. This product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link, uh, and it's in the show notes. I'm not going to read it to you because it's crazy. But go into the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast. Super simple for you for your business. Send it to your boss. Send it to your friends. It will revolutionize workflow. The link is in the podcast notes. And if you want to support the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, this is a great way. So you got a good relationship with your father? I do. You know,
1: I. It, it's really interesting to say that it wasn't always a great relationship. And I, I really believe that the father-son dynamic is so much more complex than people understand it. Because it's someone that I view as my hero, as my daddy. It's also someone I partially want to conquer and replace, right? Like Oedipus Complex. And so there's this, uh, there's a tug of war between fathers and sons and that's usually why the son's mentor is very rarely just the father it's usually like the uncle or the guy he works for and that dad usually then grows resentment towards the uncle or the the other guy because he wishes he could be that but in reality he the dad is Darth Vader yeah right like that is the story and so my dad and I had our Darth Vader moments, right? He was in prison for 11 years. I'm sure that didn't help, 5 to 16, and then comes home, and all of a sudden this man that I have I know from visits and things like that but haven't lived with as, an, uh, as a 16-year-old and into adulthood, there's all that recalibration. There's the fact that there's a man in my house now, right, that I didn't have. There's a man trying to tell me what to do. And this man has also been incarcerated for 10 years. <laughs> so the dynamic that I had with him, I couldn't fully appreciate. And yet now as a 37-year-old man, hes I don't look at him as my father. He's hes Guy Sisko, the man that created me, and whatever else he did to me or anything like that. Goddamn it. I'm just so grateful that the son of a bitch gave me that lesson and he created me that he gets a pass for life.
0: <laughs> I think that's a really good lesson. A lot of guys sit and lament over, you know, their father, their father's son, or their, their relationship with their dad. I've heard it over and over again. You know, what well, my upbringing was it, it kind of circles me back to kind of that victim mindset that you kind of Talked about being a little bit of in the in the CrossFit realm when everything was going, you know, is everyone else's fault. Um, that's a it's a it's a beautiful it's a it's a beautiful story. Like it doesn't matter. It's a gift. I'm alive. I'm here. And I think out outlook, how we view the things that have happened to us and how we, well, you know, tell our self the stories about that will shape us, good, bad. What did it take for you to kind of get to that point? I'm sure at 16 you weren't thinking the way you're thinking now. No about your father. Hated him.
1: Yeah. This is what I look at. The self actualization journey, self development is this. You do your best to work, you write down everything you hate. Everything you hate, most of the time, you're a victim of. You're a victim in the paradigm. So all those things that you hate are actually happening to you. And then the goal of self-actualization work or any development work is to rework those stories so that they all happen for you. Get to work on everything you hate.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I've I've been through that process. Both. And, dude, it's I I screamed it from the mountaintops. It everyone should do it. It's crazy, but it it is literally a a next step to some, some freedom from that past that you kind of twisted this thing around, right? you like totally twisted, twisted reality in the way that you viewed it. It became your reality. And then it guides you to doing stupid stuff and making bad decisions and being in a victim mindset.
1: Yes. So that's, that's one of the things that, you know, when, when I'm seeing a lot of the culture Getting mad at people that they did ten years ago or something they did a long time ago. I'm just like, but they're not doing it now. Isn't that what we ultimately
0: wanted? Right. Yeah. We're we're creating our own prisons by for sure. It's it's also really interesting. And I, if if anybody's listened to this podcast multiple times, they'll have heard this theme come up. And I had no clue. Same theme for you. Major shifts. and, and as a pattern, the men that I've talked to who are generally successful in doing something big, creating a movement, guiding or leading other people or a, a business, this is a pattern I've noticed almost exclusively happens every single time. They make a huge shift at the, at the birth of their first child. I, I jumped into entrepreneurship as soon as I had my first kid. I mean, th- these stories are repetitive over and over and over and over again. And I, I have my theories. What, what about that experience made you, like, have you thought through that time and that transition? Every time,
1: not every time. Yeah, I guess you could say any time that I've added a level of responsibility to my plate or life has it adds another depth that I'm willing to go to uphold that duty and responsibility. And for me, uh, at least genetically, uh, being a father just puts me into a place of just, oh, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for my family. You name it, I'll sleep easy, baby. Yep. Right? Like just, just, I love the, the, the idea of that, of going out in this world. You name what we have to do to take care of our people. No sacrifice on me. And I, to me, it's another level of freedom to take that on for, for someone like me. And I would imagine you, it's no burden. It's a, it's, Please give it to me. I I live to serve you, my family. And uh, see, I, I you know, when people talk about purpose, your purpose is to serve. Stop wondering. Go do it. However you could do it, go do it. And the, uh, I'll save you the, the time that you need. You know, anyone needs to be worried about what it is. Just go serve. Go love, teach, and protect, and you will be just fine.
0: My business and, partner and I talk about that a lot. We're like, uh, "Hey, as long as we're solving problems, we're living a per. We're living an amazing purpose. As long as we are solving people's problems, we are, we are doing what we're supposed to be doing."
1: Yeah, it it is not like, oh, one day someone mails you your your purpose card.
0: <laughs> well, there's so
1: you, right.
0: There's so much wrapped in this. Well, I've got to know what my purpose and my passion is, and I'm like, I did this for a long time. One, I I truly believe that you must first really grasp a hold of your true identity because you can't really give all that you have to give until you understand who you are. Because I think there's just so much imposturing going on. There's so much like um, you know peacocking. Uh, just, just a lot goes into a man and, and this this whole purpose stuff. And, and then wandering around this wandering of, I'm, I'm just trying to find my purpose. I, and people like, well, how do I, how am I successful? And how do I get successful in business? Just serve other people. You're going to find your purpose because that's what it's going to be because there's no greater joy.
1: Right. It, it you, you know, your purpose doesn't find you. You just find it by looking, by just doing things. Mm-hmm. You can't sit around. It's hide and seek the wrong way, if you ask me. You got to just go look under. You can't be afraid to go run and look behind the bush and find that there's no one there. And then what do you do? Just sit there? No, you go run and look behind the next one. And you you, you rip open the under the bed, right? You just keep going. And you keep doing, and you will find it. If yeah. you expect it to just find you, you're on the wrong side of the right. hide and seek of the purpose game.
0: I was talking to a gentleman yesterday. And um, there was a little, uh, we're kind of working in through some, of, some, of, some fear that was popping up in my life for around my business. And he's like, man, you can't mess this up. Like, literally, you can't mess this up. You built it. If, you, if something goes wrong, you're going to course correct. Just keep adapting. Yeah. And I, I've kind of thought, I've kinda, I'll let that spin in my head because I'm like, yeah, I can mess things up. But really the thing is, is it's way more about what I'm thinking and how I'm responding and, and, and what I'm striving for. The, the lesson here to me is, is if you are striving to add value to other people's lives, help other people. Um, give value to other people, you're gonna be good, yeah,
1: yeah be authentic, lean into it, everything else the, the you know uh the difference between experience and mistakes is just how people present mistakes and say experience so they sound better
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A lot of experience means a lot of mistakes.
1: Yeah, well, people are like, "Oh, yeah, how much experience do you have?" I'm like, "What do you mean? How long I've been messing this shit up for? Twelve <laughs> nah, years. That's how long." <laughs> so true. It That's is so all. true.
0: And, and people wrap it in a different skin, different like fancy way of yeah, it's like, better
1: packaging. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna put it out there how it really is. <sighs> so, so you know that I am a. Um, a staunch believer in, um, well, maybe you don't, don't know. We talked about this on the podcast. Uh, I believe in men need a lot of challenges. I believe that we need to continually just push ourselves to uh, reach new levels and and honestly chase discomfort. Um, yes. I feel like the harder I chase discomfort, the more comfortable I am. It's just like this, and then you push harder. What, are, what kind of things do you do in your life what are some of the routines or the practices that one you're chasing discomfort, but also just really sharpen your your saw so that you are you are the man you need to be? All right. I'll
1: give you my truth. I look at my life as a movie, and each decision I make is a chance for me to answer the call to being the hero in my movie. And now don't get me wrong. Are there days uh, on some things that I do not answer the call? Yeah, because I'm human. Right? And at the same time, though, do I work on the majority of my days answering the call? I do. So I look at, okay, so this just happened. What would the hero do in the movie? Cool I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to choose that right? And then is there days when I know that my wife's tired and I'm really tired and if I gave my son the bath that night that would be answering the call. Do I mess that up sometimes and just stay like a lazy soB? Yeah, I do that too right like i mean i'm not i'm not walking around here flawless yet my goal is is that's my lens on everything that i'm doing i'm like okay so this is a movie production and my job is to answer the call to answer the call of being the hero and so when i walk past my beautiful son just throwing every toy out of his basket and I bend down and pick up those toys with him and show him how to clean up after his stuff and not leave it for my wife. To me, that's how I step into it. And in the most smallest of ways, and I could I realize that could also stem from having a slight OCD or some sort of obsessive behavior, yet it's those little micro details that many people will never pat me on the back for is what really helps me know me inside my own scoreboard that I'm the hero. And so back to what you said, like for me, I just look at any situation and go, well, what would the hero do? If everyone was sitting there in the movies, what would people be cheering me to do and not go, ooh, damn. Oh, come on, you should have known. Right. Like just that moment in the movie where everyone's just like, yeah, baby, you're the hero. You're the one I knew you were. And then I choose that and just give myself enough uh, self-talk when I need a push to step into it. And then enough grace sometimes when I'm actually being just a human being. And that took me longer, Scott, to, to give myself acceptance and grace than it did the other way because of how, uh, duty uh, you know, just how much duty and responsibility I do want and had to take on at a young age that sometimes I could beat myself up for being human. And so my wife helps me more often be human than be godly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For some people, it might be the opposite. Hey, whatever you need to do to do it.
0: What do you think? Um, most men who are kind of stuck in that boy, you know, the boy complex or they haven't transitioned, if you will. I hate that word, but what is the biggest, I mean, you work with men you help them go pro and I'm sure this is a a recurring thing that you're really working with is what, what's the biggest holdback or is there, is there a pattern or something that you're seeing where men get stuck?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. A few different, what a great question. A few different things. One, being a man, that's why I like going pro as a man to me is a big deal. Like being a man and this idea that you're a man because your body physically goes through puberty is complete crap. Physically, you may appear like one yet who you are emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, if a boy is still that person, you're not a man. You're, a, you're, you're letting a seven-year-old drive the car. And that's first. Number two, uh, and, and so just this idea of really being a man and that being the goal and not being all the other things. Just be a a pro man. And then tell me what it's like to go be a father, husband, businessman. They're just masks you put on real easy because you're authentic there. And number two, people don't believe that they're men. A lot of men out there don't believe it because no one's ever told them, right? We don't have a clear rite of passage. Uh, in our system as people once did there's no line of that and that's what a lot of my teaching is is helping men go okay how can we get you first to design what you even believe what a man is and then how can I help you become that so that you know that you really are a man Because for so many of them, they're running around, maybe thinking they are having an idea of it or some push come to shove really don't believe that they
0: are. Yeah, I think that's a big one. I think there's a lot of men who just, I don't think they've accepted it or they just know um, and they're struggling with it. I personally, you know, a lot of guys will like, well, how do I be a better father? Obviously, because of you know, the group, yes. that I run. it's, it's always the question, how can I be a better father? And for me, it's just a super simple answer. It, it's complicated, but it's simple. You got to work on yourself. If you want to be a better father, it's all about you. If you want to be a better husband or lover, it's on you. If you want to be a better employer, employee, community member, you know, grocery cart, putter away, aware, you work on you. Everything else pivots off of that. And, yes. um, It's not, oh, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and support your wife. Well, that's a really good thing, but you'll probably do that if you work on you and you understand and you embrace the role that you have as a man and you learn to identify who you really are and what that really means. Uh, What kind of, when do you think that you really personally went through this thing. I know we talked about like, uh, the CrossFit thing and moving into alpha hippie, but you had to have some stirrings about like focusing on men at some point. And maybe it doesn't align with the the stories we've already heard.
1: Sure. Uh, along the journey of alpha hippie, I started looking at before, right before I created the course, the first iteration of the program is I, I looked at what was my biggest frustration in my life. Like what, what causes me anger and resentment? And this could be from obviously from how I felt about my upbringing is uh, when men don't show up and deliver in the ways that um, the roles require them, whether they like it or not, right? If you're a husband, you sign on the dotted line for some stuff. If you're a father, you sign on the dotted line for some more. And these are the duties and roles, whether you like it or not, step into them, and if you're going to step into them, give your all to them and when i see and saw men not ex- not understanding them not accepting them and not doing their best it still to this day triggers me inside triggers inside of me a level of anger because that's how i was faced with things when i wasn't treated or i wasn't showing up in anger or bullying And although uh, I'd had my time of doing that, it really didn't work too well to put people in more shame. I learned that uh, the hard way, shall we speak. And, um, And then I realized, okay, if this is something that is challenging of me, how can I be a solution now instead of just trying to hate it more? How can I be part of the solution? And that's what really led me into this work is, Now trying to resolve what was ultimately a very deep wound of mine is having a masculine role, not show up and be better and devote himself in the ways that his role really required him to be because he didn't understand it nor didn't have the ability to. And uh, I know better now. And so I'm going to do better and be better and help others along the
0: way. Absolutely. So you said the word masculine. So I'm sure you've put some thought into masculinity and some of the the conversations that have been kind of trending on that the last three, four years. Um, I know I have, uh, it's, it's a passionate thing of mine. Where do you stand on, on masculinity?
1: I'll tell you the truth, bro. I'm writing a book about this right now.
0: Well, then you're the right person to answer the question. We want to hear it.
1: (laughs) All right. So here's how I look at it. There is feminine and masculine energy. There's healthy forms of it. There's unhealthy forms of it. Okay. Masculinity is different than being a male. Masculinity is taking on a masculine energy, which is, there's both toxic and light forms of it. There's toxic forms of femininity and there's light forms of femininity. We both take on those, we, we both have access to the frequencies. In its purest, healthiest form, Masculinity to me is advancement and in order to take advancement, the major route is having an, uh, trusting yourself. If you really want to know what masculinity is, it's your ability to trust yourself and you build trust by having a connection to yourself compounded with consistent actions of integrity, doing what you say you're going to do. That's what creates trust. And so I look at a man, you are able to trust yourself and you trust yourself because you're connected to you or anything in your environment and that you show it consistently that you're going to do actions that you say you're going to do, or you show up consistently. If I was a hunter, I would go out, I would hunt food. The more consistent I would come back with the food, the more I could trust myself that I was a great hunter and that the people around me could rely on me through any sort of short-term feeling or anguish or whatever it is to actually do my duty. And that to me is what a healthy masculine does. Women can embody it. That energy they do when they're moms. I mean, they're, they're out. My wife's a rock star at masculine energy. What oftentimes gets misunderstood about masculinity is I didn't say you meant yelling. I didn't say it, it, it was about taking advantage of people. I didn't say it was about violence. There's just a big misunderstanding of it because those three things that I just mentioned are all forms of. You know, I just I, I, I like using this but toxic masculinity. I look at toxic masculinity as an underdeveloped man. It's a boy.
0: Out
1: of yeah. and anger yeah. and fear. Totally.
0: A boy wants to dominate. A man wants to serve. Don't you think toxic masculinity is a our femininity in that matter is more of like a of an abuse of the word or a perversion of the word. Like you're at, you're saying, Hey, this is a bad thing. Somebody at some, at some point, like tied it to masculinity, but it really isn't mass. I don't think those things are masculine at all.
1: No. And actually it's a, it's to me, to call someone a toxic man is no different than using a racial word and trying to get someone to be better. yeah i agree right right? like if i went up to a black person and called him the n-word and then i was like yeah be better bro see you (laughs) later like it wouldn't work right it just drives more shame and on the other side toxic femininity if you ask me is much worse because it's the it's being mean to yourself so if anyone wanted to know what what suicide was it starts with toxic femininity. If you want to know what depression is, it's toxic femininity. It's being mean to your inward self.
0: I would have never thought it that way, but I can totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can, and I'm sure somebody's going to misconstrue this as saying, well, femini- feminism is selfish or whatever, right That's yeah. not the point, but um, but yeah, the fact that we even have these terms associated with 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 it's it's the same thing as like you said black and the inward word the fact that those are associated is just blows my mind like where does this even come from it's it's immature it's childish
1: yes. yeah so that's what a big part of the the book is too scott is helping people i i literally I draw it out for people that want to know masculine and feminine, but then I recreate the, the understanding of the dynamics with different words. Because too often have I found working with men when I go, oh, we need to get into your feminine a little bit. There is a past dynamic Blocking me from helping you understand that all I'm trying to do is get you in touch with you and your heart.
0: A little more emotional, a little more tap, tap into the stuff that exists. You're just denying that it's there.
1: Right. Because I say feminine, automatically you think I'm going to put you in a dress and some lipstick and we're going to be dancing around, right? Like just people have this misunderstanding, yeah, right? And then if you tell a feminine or a woman that she needs to be more masculine, what, what usually happens? They turn into an actual toxic form of man. They yell. They embody this thing, and then all of a sudden they go, oh, when I try to be more masculine, people call me uh, a B. Well, the point is is that you are not displaying proper masculinity. Proper masculinity and its real finest is safety. You should feel safe around a great man. You should feel that your world is stabilized if you are around another man and you feel chaos around them or any type of that energy, they are not in their most truest sense of masculinity. You,
0: you actually, whether you guys like him or not, Ryan Mickler for order a man, he says to provide, protect. And um, there's one other P word and his, his whole, his whole movements about masculinity. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's how I see it. It, and I, I talked, I talk about this, like back for history, man has been the, pro, the provider of food a lot, um, you know, go out, hunt, kill, bring back yeah. food or dot. Your family dies, uh, preside. That's it. Uh, it's going to drive me crazy. But to protect, protect provide and preside like uh, that makes sense to me. It's just it's, it's innate. It's part of us. And whether that means that doesn't mean you're out hunting you know i don't want this to be like oh you're not a man if you don't hunt you're not a man if you don't box or do crossfit or or jiu jitsu it's that's not it it's the provision the protecting yes and women can have that absolutely
1: absolutely you you know to the way i break down service is love teach protect mm. or provide protection providing to me are the same idea and that's it. And we all have the, we truly all have the capacity to do that. And for men though, uh, you know, when, when men are trying to express feminine energy, it's best understood that you are providing safety to the environment. Hmm. A female expressing feminine energy is providing nurturing or acceptance to the environment. But men are like diving boards, springboard diving boards, just enough that you feel safe, but not so much that you stand still. Because when you get to the end of that diving board, that springboard, the safest thing to do is actually jump.
0: It's a good analogy.
1: That's how I really play it out for people. That's what a man's role is, is we don't want to keep someone there. That's more of the acceptor, nurture, like my mother. If I came home and I wasn't great, my mother would nurture me. Nurturing is a rather non-moving idea. I would eat a bunch of food. I'd feel real. I'd go take a nap on the couch. right? Like You would get your favorite dessert. You would get nurtured. Right beautiful energy for a man to express that feminine energy. I don't really believe that it's our place to do that type of nurturing. We do naturing love and naturing love. Like I said, is the springboard enough that you feel safe and secure, but also enough that you advance. That it's not about holding you there.
0: So what are parents doing wrong? (laughs) Because they're doing it wrong. In, in in general, there's a lot of people messing up right now. Yes. Uh, one thing I believe is, as as men, if we were if we are doing our job, we are focused on raising future adults. We are yes. focused on raising humans that will provide and supply and give value to the world. I think a big problem is is people are raising children, and those children never grow up. What do you think? What do you think's going on there? And do you, do you even agree with me?
1: I really believe that as adults, we are deep down great people. Our lens is not in the right place, so we're not seeing it as it really can be. And what I mean by that is my wife is my muse and my son is my king. I worship my wife And I serve my king because I am training an adult, I am not raising a kid. So I speak to my son like he's 30 years old.
0: Thank you, absolutely.
1: I don't say he's a good boy, I even say good man. That's awesome, right? Like, that's the way I look at it is I serve and protect my king, and then also, too, I talk to him like he's a king, not like he's a little boy, because what I have often found is when people think they're raising their kids, they hold them below them, and then they resent them for actually not knowing what's going on, but meanwhile, you keep them in the dark, and you expect them to rise to a standard that you have never provided them.
0: Yeah, I, I do believe it's wholeheartedly that the, the, the biggest role for a man is to serve Yeah, a father, a father, uh, like, how can I be a better father? Serve, serve yes. and protect. It's kind of like the, the cop line, right? But like, look, literally yeah. it, it is. Um, and, and, you know, I have I have very adult conversations with my kids. My, my boys now are 13 and 17, and it's it's important that they learn. That they learn from hard stuff, they go through it, uh, I think a lot of people are in, you, you, I'm sure you agree just protecting their kids uh from life lessons instead of like yes uh, and then and then i talk I've talked to them for the longest time, and'm like, "Hey, I really screwed up, and I don't want you making the same mistakes, but you know when and, and talking them through my experiences i hope I hope that they can reduce those same mistakes but i I think it is talking to them like they are not that you got to prepare them it's yes yeah yeah
1: and what i've noticed is the 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 children that are raised with a talking down from their parents usually develop a lifelong of dependency now don't get me wrong You could have preference, but if you have dependency, you're, you're, and, and, and I'm not saying you're just weak. You need, you need something to get along with your day instead of preferring it. And that is unhealthy attachment.
0: Absolutely. There's a study about, um, successful salespeople and successful salespeople. I'm not talking like you know, making a hundred thousand a year. I'm talking about the ones that work for these companies that make more than anybody else in the company, because nothing lives unless they make sales. These guys that are doing millions in a year, whatever, there's a study about their upbringing and it, they were raised in families that told them they could do things and, and, and just like basically breathe life into them from, from very early on. And you said dependency, that's literally like, they're not dependent on, they're not dependent on outside factors. They're just, they, they know that they are, they're going to succeed because they've just been, they've been not like, Oh, you're going to be good at everything. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, that whole push of, uh, you know, just work hard on it, get better at it. You can do it. I know you it's in you. I know if you dig down in you and, yeah. you know, like my, my, with our kids, if they've started a sport or a, or a club or something and like a week or two into it, they hate it or something goes wrong. It's like, hey, man, you're in it for the time that we signed you up. You're yeah. in it to win it. You might as well make the best in it. And I think that that is one of the things that's missing as well is we're trying to avoid discomfort for our kids. Mm-hmm. And we're robbing. Yes. We're absolutely robbing them.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mike Tyson, the philosopher Mike Tyson. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes of him, though, is discipline is learning to love the things you hate. A lot of people know the punch in the face quote. Don't get me wrong. It's a good one. But for me, that's his, that's his best one. That's is discipline one. is learning to love the things you hate. And the more children that we could create that could learn to love the things that they hate, will be more resilient and more tolerant to discomfort and even the idea of it.
0: Well, don't you think it like I, my, my own experience here, I don't like running. I used to like running, but I don't like running. And uh, I, I've had this desire to be a, to do some trail running for a long time. And I've been a mountain biker forever. So I always got on the mountain bike and I finally did a trail run the other day. It was 101 degrees in the Texas heat. And um, I'd never done one before, and it was horrible. It, it was True. painful. It was sweat everywhere, dirt everywhere. It was it was horrible. But there, like that, I was on a high for like three days. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. I think that's this is really uncomfortable, but I kicked its ass. I did it. Yes. What are you mean, uncomfortable?
1: Oh my goodness! I play games. Uh, You know, I'm a game player. So one of my favorite things to do is to, instead of just doing my workout in the morning, I go, I'm going to challenge myself today to see if I got, if I'm really who I think I am. I'm going to work out today after work, after I've had this long day of shooting podcasts. I got every story to just justify not doing it. But then I go home and I I get into it. The first 10 minutes, I'm telling myself all the BS. And then when I get into it, I go, there you are, King. I've been looking for you. Hide and seek is over. And then by the time you're done, like you said, you're riding that high because you went on that run. And the whole point of that run was to find your soul. Mm Mm-hmm. And then once you found that true you, you wear it. It's a glow. And so what I like to do is set up little things that I know that would be just enough challenge for me to have to go overcome something to do. And so it's like could be working out later, could be going to do that bath, right? Like I mentioned earlier, just little things like that that help. The audience, my fake audience, know that if they're watching the movie, who the hero is.
0: Yeah. I love because, that analogy. I love, yeah. Yeah.
1: And I just love, I love playing games with myself that way, you know, or, you know, uh, I cook dinner for my family five days a week, Scott. And I come home and, you know, could, could tonight be DoorDash or, Whatever the hell's going whatever one you want now, yeah, there's 6,000 ways for me to order dinner. Yeah. Yet for me to get home and grab the potato peeler and start peeling the sweet potatoes is the way that I know that I'm show Just little things like that. And they're, like I said, getting up from your alarm. Is the difference between answering the call or not answering the call? It could be that small. And my, po- I, I always say this anytime anyone asks me, I go. If anyone feels bad for me, don't. My poor wife has to be married to the man that lives this way. <laughs> right, right. That's what I say, I go. If you guys think I, I go send her something.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you made a really good point. Something that I think a lot of men are missing. Is you don't have to like. I think a lot of guys fail because they shoot for these huge aspirations. You know, for you, it's just the bath. It's it's, it's the bath. Yes, it's really hard. Just do it. it it's not like a month long goal because if you do it once, the next time it's going to be a little more natural. You're going to be like, oh, bath time. Um, you, you know, and it, and and those things build. Stop trying to take shortcuts. Yes. Do the work and start small. That's awesome. So,
1: like, you know, I'm, I'll give another quick analogy. Uh, in Southern California at the beach, you get here early, there's the guy with the radar detector looking for Jimmy's treasure. He left the night before. You know what I'm talking about, right? You should just be on a radar for resistance. Let's Wherever see. the resistance is, just lean into it because on the other side of that resistance, is heaven that's it you will feel the paradise no matter what it is no matter how well you do it it's all about just being a radar for resistance lean into it at the end of the movie it'll always be paradise i got spoiler alert for everyone doesn't matter how you did Right. I go uh, do some outdoorsy activities with people that have been raised in California. Well, guys, I wasn't raised to be a mariner, a mountain biker, a paddle boarder. I I grew up next to a creek. Okay, that was the body of water and the mountain was uh, a snow hill. Like, there was nothing, right? And so when I go out there, am I doing, you know, the thing like they're doing? Absolutely not. Do I stand up on every paddleboard ride that I do in the ocean? No. Am I the guy on the knees still wearing the life jacket? Yeah. But do I finish the paddleboarding? You bet your fucking ass I do.
0: That's the, That's it. Well, one stop comparing yourself to the guys that are doing it differently or have been doing it better longer. Yeah, who cares? Uh, It's more in how you are are tackling it than how you finish. I mean, not that's not right. It's more in how you're tackling it than how you, um, just how you perform.
1: It's yeah. It's creating that mechanism.
0: Talking about doing something hard and writing a book. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, cause that's, that's a whole nother thing. You can have a lot going on in your head and your heart, but to get that coming out through a pen or through the, your fingertips on a, on a keyboard. Yes. Uh, how long have you been doing this and, yeah. and, and why, and what?
1: Okay. I'm three months into the process Yet I've only been able to actually write something or get something out for two months. Took me a month to actually figure out how to express myself. So first thing I did is I reached out to me. The answer to every single problem or the a possible solution is always who I go. I tell people, remember the Grinch, go to Whoville. Who could help me? And so I went through all of my friends, and I have a dear friend named Rick Alexander. He's an author. So I called up Rick, and I said, Rick, I want to write a book. How the heck do you do this, man? And he told me about his process. Now, Rick is fantastic at opening up a computer and typing away. So I tried to do that. And I said this is why I say three months. I stared at a computer for a month. <laughs> I just stared. Like bad. I blocked out the time and was just like this is not for me in this this medium. So I called up Rick and I said I have a feeling that I am a storyteller, not a story writer. That's all good. All right. I'm a sto- it's okay. I'm a story teller, not a story writer. And he goes, interesting. I said, would you be open to doing Zoom recordings with me, extracting me, telling the story? I'll get it sent over to Rev. And then I will put the book together that way. And he's like, that's so interesting. I go, yeah. So we spent one day, on a call, doing an outline, and now each re- week Rick and I get together for about two hours, sometimes more, and he interviews me on a chapter. And it's become so much more digestible, so much more enjoyable. Every Thursday at three thirty, I put on my author cap or whatever it is, and I go tell Rick the story of this next chapter. And he's so beautiful, he walks me through it, and then I have another chapter of the book done, and then another cha- and now I'm knocking out a chapter a week. I feel absolutely amazing using my medium to create this book. He understands me and the topic well enough that he could extract even deeper understandings of me that I wouldn't have even been able to reach if it was just me typing. And so now I'm more than happy to do that. And uh, that has been my thing is first, finding someone that could help me, trying my best to do it their way, and then also, to figuring out what part about it did I like. Rick helped me understand the framework of writing a book, yet his way, how he actually writes the book is not the best way for me. So I, I, I don't get attached to the house. I find the best house for me. And then I went and it was storytelling, like I said, not story writing. And then now we take the rev and then we put it together. And then, you know, you do some editing and shifting. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, tomorrow's going to be chapter three or four, you know, and then each week, I'm just preparing my notes. And I know that he knows this. And it's actually become so much more enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that story. Because um, I've actually chatted with two friends. One's my business partner. And one's another um, guy that I, I meet with weekly, and they both want to write books. And one's like, I'm just, and he had a very similar idea. I'm just going to record it, send it to our VAs and let them transcribe it. And then we'll put it together. And and that'll be that. It's like, it's not that complicated. And the other guy is just, he's got a whole process. And I'm like, this is so beautiful. Like, there's just not one way you do. You have to find where you can win. And I, and mm-hmm. I am in 100% agreement with you. It's not, I mean, who go to Whoville. I love that saying. It's so true. It's, it's not what, you know, it's who, you know, because you can learn from the who's Yes. and save yourself a lot of time too. Yeah. But what a great guy to have in your corner and working with you. Uh, what's your trajectory? I mean, books are always a, an interesting journey. Are you hoping to have it done in 2022 by the end of the 2022?
1: alpha hippie code? What every guy needs to know to go pro baby coming out. Right around uh, uh, for, for Black Wednesday, the perfect gift to give a man, you know, for this holiday season that's ready to go pro in 2022, baby.
0: That's awesome. So you have your date, you have your mountaintop, your peak, where everything is launched, and that's that. And it's branded, it's, it's named by your brand, Alpha Hippie.
1: Yeah, the, uh, you know, I am uh, a study of manifestation. You know whether or not people may believe it's hoopla or anything like that. To me, you know, I told everyone that I was going to have a per, uh, a party last year for Fourth of July at my house in California in February, where we didn't even know that we were moving. This is pre pandemic. Yet, to me, when you set the dates, it's no different than really letting the divine know that you mean business.
0: There's so much power in setting dates, and in and speaking them not only out loud, but to yourself, I think you need to do both. Uh, You believe you will achieve. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean, I remember with our business, which just launched in December, no, January, excuse me, January. I had a number for the number of clients we were going to have in, in by the end of June. Now this is a funny journey because I, I said June to my business partner. I'm like, we will have X amount of clients in June, by June. Well, how he read that was by June, June 1st. Guess when we hit that number of clients? June 30th. We hit it June 1st. Oh, shoot. It Beautiful. was June 30th. He he latched on to June. We both had this this push, and it wasn't even a push. It just happened because we, we I believed it. And when you believe it, your actions will put it into place. So, yes. heck, yeah, it's not hoopla. You can't yeah. live on a, a little whimsical rainbow idea. You've got to put it down. So I love yes. it. I love it, brother. That's going to be a sweet book. It's going to be great. I know you're you going want to, to know that.
1: the truth of why I'm writing it. Yes. In a hero's journey, they go through the underground. And what they come back with is an elixir. And a a re- reward, something of that nature for for going through the journey, and this is my elixir to share with my son. Oh, cool! And so, the Alphibi Code is the thing that I believe wholeheartedly that my thirty seven years on this planet is the thing that I've learned the most. It's the most potent idea that I could translate at this moment in time that I'm the most proud of with all of my experience. And so for me, I'm writing this to my son and also to selfishly. I've always wanted to know who my dad was before he was my dad. Anytime my dad is open enough to share with me a story of pre-Angelo existence, I can't get enough. Give me popcorn and anything you need to keep going. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's me putting together this code that is what I've learned the most and also it gives analogies and also personal story, of how I got to that place because selfishly, I want my son to know who I was before and also too, if something ever happened to me, this boy will at least know who his father was and how he became who his father was because I look at my dad and I want to know why he be, who, how he became my dad more than what I see now. Or what I saw. I want to know what he went through to become who he is and why he is, so I could empathize with this person that I've been idolizing my entire life.
0: Yeah. So last year I interviewed um a man named Jeff Giosi on my podcast. And man, the the audio quality sucked, his microphone was horrible. And I remember having this conversation and the whole conversation, it wasn't planned, but we talked about legacy and we talked about, he had, he has two very little boys and he talked the, almost the entirety about how he wanted to leave that legacy and what he was doing. And he was writing them letters. Uh, basically he said, I want to write them a guidebook to how to be a man, how to be, and, and, you know, just beautiful, of course. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. This is great. Every guy should do this. A few months later, he died suddenly and uh, he was actually doing a deadlift and just keeled over and he was headed, probably headed for the games and the masters. Actually, he was, he was very, very high level in there and um, just had a, a, I think a heart aneurysm just boom, just gone in a moment, just a few months after we talked and the, almost the entire conversation was about uh, leaving a legacy. And doing things uh, so that your kids could grow up knowing who you were, man. And uh, that had such a profound effect on me. The last the last part of the conversation, we talked about Amor Fadi, like the love of love of your fate. It was one of the things he loved, um, one of the statements he loved the most. And he talked about how he wanted – he just had had a conversation with his best, best buds about how he wanted to die. And he said, I want to go out in a blaze of glory. I want to be like – like, I just want it to be big. And um, and so I I totally get it. I guess I guess the point is, is like, what better way than to, to have this elixir? He has these elixir of these notes, right? He's got an elixir of these little letters he wrote to his boys for like, I think, two and three. But uh, we never know when that moment's going to happen.
1: Yes, just like we get life insurance. Why don't we prepare for something they'll really want to know about more than just the trust that they're going to get when they're eighteen?
0: Life insurance is easy. You just that's pay. It.
1: That's yeah. it. And for me to to distill this gift to him, that's good. And know that this is there, no matter what i what what happens to me is uh is really important because he'll be wondering I'm I'm sure if something happened to me.
0: Yeah, I hope you I hope you use that as fuel. I'm sure you have plenty of fuel, but it just it reminded me of the importance of doing really important things while we're here. Uh yes. one of my favorite things to think about is that, you know, so many people like talk about tomorrow. Like I'm I'm working really hard to be this or to do this. And it's like, dude, this is right now. Right now is when you do what you need to do. <laughs> and oh, you're doing bro. right now by writing a book. It's incredible. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for Alpha Hippie. I mean, I I know it's impacting men's lives. I've talked to men who, um, you know, through through that cross with our with our podcast, uh, it's been I've I've heard some really incredible things. I know what you guys are doing is impacting men's lives and creating a movement of men going pro, and that's that's important work. Uh, one last question. Yes, sir. I know the answer. I believe I know the answer, but I, I really wanna I wanna understand for actually I have two questions. I'm sorry I lied. Uh why do you why do you call men king king? I remember the first time you did it to me and you said you, you said um something king and and I really liked it. Yes. Would you explain that to people who may not understand? <sighs>
1: One, I say it as a sign of respect. I say it as a sign of abundance, knowing that we could all be kings. And I may be the only person in someone's life that actually sees them as a king, so why not let them know? Because if you know at least I see you as a king, that may be enough for you to fully step into the role, even if you don't believe it in that moment. And I, I, I do. It's a term of endearment, respect, and love. And then just showing everyone that doesn't matter where you are. You could be a king for you. You could be a king for a kingdom of two or two billion. Be a king and serve.
0: Yeah, that's great. And then a question I asked many men at the end of the podcast, um, and I think you kind of alluded to some of this already, but I'm going to frame it a little different way. Uh, you know it's a few years let's say it's it's 20 years down the road your son's probably like 22 21 at that
1: point. 22 yeah
0: Two, and uh, you pass away and you have a chance to look in on him maybe maybe in his 20s maybe in his 30s and you see him and and you're like he is living the life that I dreamed for him
1: yes what does that look like to you him embodying the code and expressing it the way he wants to express it and because I don't I don't care about the outcomes I care about the the intentions and I don't judge people by their expression right like express it how you want have let's all have a code or framework and then that we could trust each other that we're going to hold it true, and then go express it how you see it. And for me to see my son be authentic and live a life of some sort of code and accepting of his duties and responsibilities and having a partially satiable yet insatiable love of life, right? Enough where you don't, you're not gluttonous, yet enough where, you know, you still get out there tomorrow and take care of business. And uh, just that harmonization of, of doing that, right? Get your, there's that song, I hope you dance. And it says, get your fill to eat, but always keep that hunger, right? And just seeing Santi grow into a man that is Santiago. That's why I chose his name. He is a beautiful name for a boy that reminds me of innocence and uh, beauty and play. But then he is a name for a man that's Santiago. That is a man that feels like respect. And that's what I really dream for him is that he respects himself and therefore the world can respect him as a man. It's awesome.
0: Thank you for your insight. Thank you for your sharing your heart. Really appreciate it, brother. How can people find you in, uh, Alpha Hippie? Beautiful.
1: I am Alpha Hippie all over the Instagram, social media lands, and, uh, HTTP lands. And, uh, I'm Angelo, uh, Cisco, uh, on Instagram. I, I must say I'm not a frequent social media flyer and, uh, but, yeah, the, any of any of those great places, anywhere the podcast can be listened to is Alpha Hippie. And I appreciate all the support, anyone that could do. And also, too, uh, any feedback is well appreciated from anyone that listens to me or the work that I create. And what I mean by feedback is not always flattery. <laughs> I like the truth. And I say that because... I've often had people ask me for feedback and what they really want to hear is flattery and I am open to real feedback. That's it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've grown the most when I get the real thing. Absolutely. Give each other a favor and give it the way in love, but keep it real. Thank you, Angelo. If you didn't catch that folks, it'll be in the show notes. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you
1: enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.